game is over. This is a special post-game edition of the Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. Instant analysis and opinions on UCF's game. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Adams and Christian Simmons. Welcome into episode 119. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, and at Night Sports Now. Well, the military bowl went about, I guess the result went about as I expected it to. How we got there was a little bit different, but UCF lost, uh, as expected, 30-13. to 13. <laughs> that's, a, that's a rough scoreline. That's not great. 30-13, to 13, so UCF finishes the season 9-5. and five. And I told you, that was one of my predictions, that UCF would lose and this season would be a big, miserable waste of a failure. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah, it, it's funny to like try to toe the line because like we talked about, and I'll say it now, it's the weird line you toe with bowl games is like, what actually happens in the bowl doesn't impact anything. It's often not representative of the season because you're missing players these days. It doesn't have any bearing on what's going to happen next season at all, but it still sort of like ends up defining the narrative of that offseason. Like the, the win over Florida last year, that was the talk of the offseason, and like, man, this is heck of a note. Heck of a note to go out on. I wonder how it's going to go. I wonder how the eight, next eight months are going to go. Are people going to use this to basically define the narrative, or is it just going to be like, ah, whatever? It's. I mean, it's, it's funny because like I think I, I kind of just answered it in my own head just now. Is like when people are like UCF fans. It's not just a specific UCF fan thing, right. but it seems like the easy way out is oh well, when it's a win over Florida, that can define the season. Right. We'll talk about it all off season. When it's this result, a seventeen point loss to Duke. And you can just say, oh, well, you know, yeah, it happened, but we're moving forward. I mean, I think that it's a unique position to be in as well because this offseason they're moving to the Big 12, and I feel like the Big 12 hype is going to overtake the talk of this bowl game. And yeah. To me, it's not even like, it doesn't even necessarily come back to the bowl game itself. It's just like, that game was just basically spot on what this whole season has been, right? Like, I just, yeah. just always doing worse than you're anticipating. I mean, you look back on the season, they went 9-5, and five, which... I get that we were moved into an era where it's like, it's kind of crazy that a 9-5 and five season is a season you complain about. But also, it's just like, every step of the way this year, UCF disappointed. It was, you know, from East Carolina, you just got to win that game, you're going to host game. Even before that, like the big, first big game of the season, Louisville at home on a Friday night on yep. primetime TV, and you lay an egg. So, I mean, start, yeah. even starting there. Start there. You get Louisville, big game. UCF hasn't lost in home in front of a real crowd in forever. You put up, what did they put up that game? 14, 14. points? Yep. Then More you, than they did today. There you go. Oh, my God. And then all you have to do is beat East Carolina to host game day. Can't do that. Then we have that lovely three-game stretch where they beat Cincinnati, then Memphis, then Tulane. Then all you got to do to secure the title game at home is beat Navy. Can't do that. Blow a 28-0 lead to Navy uh, to USF, excuse me, in the final war in I-4. Get crushed by Tulane. And I understand their voice and circumstances, but it's just this season has felt so weird because I understand there aren't a lot of fan bases who can take back-to-back nine-win seasons and complain about it, but the fan base was basically miserable for this whole season. And I'm at the point where I'm having a hard time blaming them because there was so much potential. UCF was always so close to bigger and better things and just couldn't do it this year. I mean, they fell short every time something big was on the line from start to finish. Yeah, and I mean, I don't even know that in this particular game specifically they were even close to anything because it was at one point it was 10-7. to well, 7-7 at one point, obviously, through one quarter. And they had kept it to 10-7, and then everything spiraled out of control. John Rice Plumley lost a fumble. Duke went down and scored. UCF went three and out. Duke went down and kicked a field goal right before half, and it was 20-7. to And even though a 13-point deficit at halftime isn't, like, that sizable, I had zero faith in them coming even making even a game in the second half. No. And then Duke came out with like a seven-minute field goal drive, and even then it was just like... That's what I'm saying. This game yeah. was the perfect game for the season. John Rice Plumley played horrifically. 
UCF, no matter what situation they got in, we knew they were going to do nothing with it. I mean, they got the ball. They were handed the ball at Duke's 33 and got zero points out of it. I, I just, it's just, and you know, I do want to talk about John Rice Plumley, and I want to at first get more mad at the fan base than the actual coaching staff and or player or whatever is that I tweeted after that fumble when UCF at that point, they were down by three. They were driving JRP as he does is effective with his legs and then fumbles the ball. Everything spiraled from there. That was the point the game flipped on. And I tweeted that we've seen zero improvement from John Rice Plumley this season because that was we saw that against Georgia Tech, a similar play, and it's just he's been the same player all year. And we've talked about before how sometimes I tweet with hyperbole or tweet in the moment, whatever. That was 100% true. I stand by that completely. He has not improved at all this season. That's fine. Lots of players don't improve from the start of the season to the end of the season. The issue is most of those players aren't guys who every time he plays badly, the coach comes up and says, well, he's getting used to the position he's settling in, and he doesn't get better. And what I want to say is, I don't know why I get so worked up, because it's basically just the same 20 people who are really in on JRP. If even that many. And then the rest of the fan base. But the same 20 people annoy me so much that it's like, they come me with the same crap. Whenever I tweet something anti-JRP or JRP, anytime he does something bad and I point out he did something bad, it's, oh, you're just, you just are determined to hate JRP this. It's like, why do you want him to fail? How many times on this podcast after JRP, the few times he's done something good, have I come on and said, I really hope he's turning a corner. I really hope he's going to get it done. When Gus named him the starter, we came on this podcast and I said, I hope that I'm wrong about him. I hope that he does well. I hope that Gus made the right choice here. Gus did not make the right choice. And I am so sick of this group of the fan base that is just so drilled into their minds that UCF can't possibly have an ineffective quarterback that they have to dance around and twist themselves into pretzels to convince themselves that he's good. He's not. UCF did not have a good quarterback this year. I'm sorry, but they didn't. Whoever starts, just because you're wearing number 10, you're playing for UCF does not mean you are good. We, we talked about, he had the seven touchdown game against Temple where those 20 fans got very excited and said, he's turned the corner great. I came on the podcast. I, said, I was wow. excited about it. <laughs> I, we came on the podcast and I said, I'm so happy that SMU and Temple stretch. I was like, great. He settled in. We can do big things. He had seven touchdowns in that game. From then until now, he put up seven more total touchdowns the rest of the season. <laughs> he has been completely ineffective and I'm so sick of, and it's the same crap. Like last year, you guys always find something that I'm just doing horribly wrong. In 2021, it was always, oh, Christian's just a homer. You know, because I thought it was acceptable for them to go eight and four, given all the injuries. Now it's gone from I'm a homer to, well, he just hates the quarterback and will hate him no matter what. It's like, I want to John Rice Plumlee to be good, but at some point you guys need to get out of your stupid camps you're entrenched in and realize that this was a failure of a season in large part because of the quarterback situation. There's no way around that. There's no argument against that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> no, I mean, Thanks, I don't man. know. It's just, it's... <laughs> It is, and it, I don't want to sit on here and say it's it's all John Rice Plumlee. It's, it's not all this, because we fault. have more to get into. Obviously, it's not With, even remotely within, all his fault. But there are people who think yeah. that it's literally he's not even sort of the problem. He can do no wrong. He can do no wrong, and it's yeah. like guys, he's been probably the second or first biggest problem the entire season. Yeah, no, I mean, I I've clearly had problems throughout the season with him, and the potential for him to start again next year is weighing on my brain and making me really, really upset. Um, I don't want to see that happen. You know, it's funny. Like, we came on when he said he was going to come back for another year. And both of us were like, I mean, it's good. Like, I would prefer him to come back than not. Yeah. And then he played another game. And I was like, <laughs> did he have to? Like, it's, I still... so From it, an experience standpoint, sure. But I don't want to see him be the starting quarterback next year. Look, it's still good he's coming back because... Oh, I, I forgot about that. Two weeks ago, I said it was good that he's coming back. And fans were like, Christian hates John Rice Palmer. Yeah. yeah. I just have... It's an anti-Mississippi thing, apparently. Like, I don't know. I just, it's just it's so stupid. But 
Anyway, all that being said, it's still good he's coming back because we don't know what we have with Timmy McLean and Tommy Castellanos. What we have with JRP isn't good enough, but if it's even worse with the other two, which I don't know if it would be, then yeah, it's good to have him. But and I tweeted this after the game ended. John Rez Plumley, if you're if you had the open competition after what Mikey did in 2021, you have to have it after what JRP did this season. And you've got John Rice Plumley, the season he just had was a disappointment, no matter how you want to slice it. He's not going to participate in spring ball as of now. How can you possibly just say that he's the incumbent and we're not going to have a competition? <laughs> and I feel like that's what they're going to say. Yeah, I don't I don't know. That's that feels like the most likely situation, but he's going to go off and play baseball, which I mean, it's his right to do. He, he wants to be a baseball player as well. That's part of the reason he came to UCF so that he could do both. But if you're going to sit there and like I hope he and I don't think he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to be like, "Oh, yeah, I'm the starter." I think like he probably knows that there's going to be a competition. Like, I assume I he'd think, expect it. Yeah. Yeah, he would expect that. So I just don't know if Gus will <laughs> And by the way, I want to say another thing about, like, I Bailey and I have been kind of on separate sides the whole season, and we've talked about it a little of the podcast, is like, I haven't hated Gus Malzahn's play calling for much of the year. I don't mind his offense. I think with the right players, it can really work. I felt they haven't had the right players at several spots this season. And Gus Malzahn, and was it last week when he brought up that he might give up play calling to the new, new OC, who we're still waiting to see who that yeah. is, and I said I didn't know how I feel about that. And I was over the moon. And I disagreed with you. Yes. And then... UCF threw the ball on fourth and two, <laughs> and I've decided that I'm with you. It's funny and that that was the play. Like of all the other things they've done, I don't know. That was that was what flipped me. Because yeah. and then also the fact that someone framed it perfectly, the two point conversion where UCF started the play from the three and ended up throwing it from the twenty two. Like that's just <laughs> the most Gus Malzahn thing. So it's you know that game was horrible, and I'm sure there are many more games like that coming next season because they're going to be in the Big Twelve and the competition is going to be so much higher. But I'm not. Wor- I'm still not worried for the long-term stability of the program or anything like that. Especially since apparently there, if the plan as of now is to go hire some innovative young OC and let them run the offense and let Gus be the recruiter slash CEO, that will work great because Gus has shown a million times over he can recruit like crazy. The staff can recruit like crazy. They're getting the right players. This season was weird, and honestly, you and I and some of the media folks take some of the blame for that because we thought this team. JRP aside, we just thought this team top to bottom was way better than it ended up being. Yeah. You know, in the offseason, we had way higher hopes. We just thought positions weren't going to be an issue that ended up being big issues, whether that be the secondary, whether that be the O-line. And I feel like we have to watch for that this year because I think one thing we did, and I was talking about this before we got on, is that we, you know, in the transfer portal era, like last season, UCF landed a bunch of transfers, and we were at the positions they needed to transfer that. We said, mm-hmm. wow, they filled their needs. I don't have to worry about that anymore. And You've got to realize that just because they brought in a transfer does not mean that transfer is going to live up to expectations, does not mean that means that position is not a concern. Like, we kind of tricked ourselves into thinking the team was perfect because they filled all their needs. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's perfect. Right. What's funny about it, though, is that, like, given all of that, yeah, they weren't as good as we said they are going to be, but they were in, they had themselves in the right position so many times, as you mentioned earlier, with the different things that they had on the line and then failed to come through with, where you still look at the season, you're like, I think in a lot of cases they were good enough. It just... They, yeah. they fell apart. like And, and the r- worst wrong parts, there was like zero clutch to the team. And there were. There were a lot of very just fundamental issues with the way the roster was constructed, the way like different position groups played out. And yeah, I, I think I agree to to an extent. But at the same time, like you look at the season, like the, the AAC champion, I thought Tulane deserved to win the AAC. But when you look at the whole landscape of the AAC, UCF, I think, was a much better team than Cincinnati. Yeah. And... Even even me saying that I think Tulane's the better team, UCF had itself in a better position down the stretch to win the conference title than Tulane did, and Tulane really badly needed after that one after the head to head 
in the regular season, Tulane needed UCF to fall apart down the stretch, and lucky for them, they did. But it's just it's just weird to look at this season and think like, yeah, maybe they weren't as good as we thought, but man, they left a lot out there. And I think that's what's so frustrating is what you just said is they came so close to so many different things. You know, like we just we ran through the list, and it's yeah. like that's and it's so funny because nine and five we've talked about a billion times. It's such an ugly record. It is. It's gross. It's just ugly, but. Part of the reason it's ugly in our brains is that it, it is legitimately nine and five just reeks of almost like yeah. it's all like to get to the point that where you can put up a 14 game nine and five record means you came close to a lot of things but did not win those things. And the very basics of it, it means you played for the conference championship and then played in a bowl game and lost both pretty yeah. much. I mean, that, that's, that's almost that's all like, nine and five yeah. records. That's what they are. And <laughs> it's so funny, you know, today it's like if UCF and I get the bowl games or whatever at this point, but it's still if they won that game today, they would have won 10 games for what the fourth time in the last six years. They would have been in the top 25 again. And it's like, all you had to do is beat Duke. And they just, it's not even that they couldn't beat Duke. It's that they couldn't even come close. You know, I mean, it was just every time they, an opportunity was handed them, they did nothing with it. Which is why with everything I just said, like as much as today sucked, I'm just, I'm kind of glad they didn't go to the Cotton Bowl. Because that would have been, been even worse. Would have been bad. Would have been even worse. And um, that's and that's a major point of concern too, because the defense gets a pass, as we talked about leading into the game, because they were down five defensive starters total. Yeah. Obviously, Travis Williams had left. Chip Lindsay left too, but let's be real, he was the quarterback's coach. And the offense was down Ryan O'Keefe. Yeah. That's it. And for the offense, and the offense is the reason they lost the game. Let's be clear. The defense had a couple bad drives, but for the most part, the defense held strong. And that's concerning that the offense is just that. Because I don't really know what like immediate improvements are coming for next season. Like most of these guys, you're running it back with. Now there are guys like Townsend who will be improved. You think guys like you know, I don't know, Javon and Kobe Hudson probably are what they are at this point, and they haven't really necessarily even been the problem. The O line's going to turn over a little bit. That's probably not a bad thing at this point, but yeah. I don't know. I it just it's it's alarming that the side of the ball that you had everybody back on was the side that basically lost them the game. Yeah, and when you look at like look at this game in particular, like. John Rice Plumley didn't have a good game, but it's important to point out that the offensive line didn't have a good game. Awful they allowed game. six sacks, and then it's it's tough because you you got to go back and look at the film for it. But the so I think they had six or seven sacks in the end. I think it was six, and yeah, a lot of those were Plumley getting pressured. But I, at what point, like I know it sucks to, to get pressured, right? But at what point can he throw the ball away? Like it seems like that's that's my biggest frustration with him. Well, I don't know if it's my biggest frustration. It's a big frustration I have with him is that. He will wait till the very last second, think about throwing the ball away, but then he's like, oh, it's da- too dangerous for me to throw the ball to the sideline at this point because he's already going down, yep. and he just has to take the sack. No, that's been the problem from all season beyond the accuracy issues. Honestly, the biggest issue with him has just been he doesn't make sound decisions. Yeah. And you're right, the O-line played badly today, and I don't want to sit here and be like, this is all on John Rice Plumley because it's not. It's absolutely not. But there were also, one of those sacks came on a play where John Rice Plumley had five full seconds to survey downfield. and. Yeah. That means your wide receivers aren't open, whatever. But still, how do you end up taking a sack in that situation? There was another one where Bowser had the block and he decided to just run around Bowser and the defender was able to just bring him down. And I just, it's it's just lack of situational awareness, lack of ability to make good decisions. And I just, and you know, you can't even fall back on the, well, he'll improve or, oh, he's learned the position. He's going to miss spring ball. So yeah. how are you even going to say that? You know, so all we can do now is just hope that Tommy or Timmy can live up to the hype. I know people are a little out on Castellanos after the Tulane game, and like, listen, as we've talked about, that's what true freshman quarterbacks look like. Timmy showed a lot of potential at USF. Is he a true P5 quarterback? I don't know. We're going to have, but kind of the point is, is that UCF has to be asking those questions this offseason. And if Gus goes through with hiring the young, innovative OC who's going to take the reins of the offense, 
Hopefully that will happen because there will be a voice with a lot more power than Chip Lindsay to be able to say, hey, we need to actually like look at the quarterback position That's the here. thing is, like, if that's the case and they bring in a new, young, innovative offensive coordinator, if they do that and then have to install his offense in the spring and your quarterback's not there, like, how, how... How do you do that? How? How do you do that? It doesn't make any sense. Because presumably, it does not sound like... And listen, Gus could always decide tomorrow, you know what, no, I, I'm instead I'm going to call plays, I'm going to call plays. If they bring on a younger OC, it could be something like where Gus says, you're going to run the offense, but I'm going to have a heavy hand, and it's still going to be by my design. But if he does truly turn it over like he said he's going to, you're right. They're installing a new offense. So what, JRP's going to show up and fall and be like, hey guys, what are we running? Like, I, I yeah. how's that supposed to work? Yeah, and when you, and just I don't know. I keep kind of wanting to go back to this game because I'm like looking at some of the stats here. It's like the defense, like Riley Leonard, the Duke, Duke quarterback, 19 of 28, 173 yards, didn't throw for any touchdowns. He ran for 10. He ran for 63 yards and two touchdowns on 10 carries. 173 passing yards allowed, 177 rushing yards allowed. And then you just look over the offense, and it's like John Rice Plumley goes 21 of 34 for 182 yards, uh, no touchdowns, and then a late pick. He also had a fumble. And then they didn't run the ball well either. I mean, Isaiah Bowser ran 11 times for 39 yards. He had both touchdowns for UCF. Johnny Richardson got three carries for 30 yards. That's 10 yards of carry and didn't get the ball again. I'm so like, st- I don't understand that. Johnny Richardson just showed up again from being totally missing all season, had a couple nice plays, then once again just disappeared. RJ Harvey averages 4.8 yards per carry, but he only gets six carries. Still like, makes no I, sense. I know, like, obviously they fell behind, and once they fell behind, they started throwing the ball. But why? Like, you had time at that point, because it's like, I understand when you fall behind that you got to throw the ball, but UCF just isn't built that way. But they can't, how many they can't times, come, come from behind and throw the ball to win. How Not many with times, Plumlee, that's what I was going to say. Is how many times have we seen that exact situation this season where UCF falls behind and says, we know that John Rice Plumlee cannot do this. We know that he cannot successfully lead us back through the air, but we're going to try. And it's like, why are you doing that? Just stick with what works. It's, it's just, it's been so frustrating for the same thing to just happen over and over. And this has been... I don't know. You, you know, you toe the line a little bit because part of me wants to be like, I think it sucks that we're at the point where UCF can have a 9-5 and five season, which, you know, still went for the conference championship game, still was ranked for much of the year, had good stretches, and it just sucks and was miserable most of the way. But And I don't think it's healthy that's where UCF's at, but it's just it's hard to feel a different way about it. That's the thing. is like it, On the surface, you say you, you won nine games. You went to the conference championship, fine. But like, then when you add in all the context, that's when it gets yeah. to the point where you're like, I don't. I can't blame anyone, and I don't blame myself. I didn't really enjoy the season. I enjoyed a lot of moments within the season. I guess I would say like that. Since I think that Cincinnati win was one of the best days I had this year. That was yeah. just such a cathartic experience. And that three game stretch yeah. when they beat Cincinnati, then went on the road and beat Memphis, then went on the road and beat Tulane. That was like those were three weeks of just a ton of fun. Yeah, it's just too bad that that was the really that that was the that pinnacle. Was that was the pinnacle because then after that it was loss at home to Navy. You blow a, what should have what looked like. You were going to blow out USF in your final war on I-4. You blow that lead and need a miracle catch to win it. And I still look back on that game and kind of forget that they won it. Yeah. Which feels dumb. Yeah, because it felt like a lot. Um, and then they lose the conference championship game and then lose the bowl game. So, like, you just look down the stretch of the season and that's, what is that, four losses? No, three losses. Their last... Three think, losses think about it, it felt way. like four. Think about it this way. Their last double-digit win was Temple. Yeah. That's crazy. And I, it's funny, I look back on, because I used to get in arguments with a lot of folks, probably some of you were listeners, back in 2019-2020, because in 2019, UCF went 10-3, won their bowl game, lost the three games by a combined seven points with a true freshman quarterback, um, and fans talked about that year as a, quote, disappointment. Some of us thought that was a disappointment. He's <laughs> like, no, 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 guys. Like, you didn't that. get how good it was back then when 10-3, and three, you know? would have loved that exact, copy-paste that season from 20, 2019 to this season, that would have been over the moon. And it worries me for next year because we're still waiting to see what the schedule is here, so it's hard to make too much of a proclamation. But regardless, whatever the schedule could be, 
The goal for UCF next year is to make a bowl game. They're not ready. They're not ready to go in the Big 12 and compete for a Big 12 title. You guys should know that by now. They just went 1-2 and two against ACC teams this year. They're not ready. And it's going to suck to me if UCF goes like 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five next year, which is a really solid start to your P5 era. And I feel like fans are just going to be angry and pissed off the entire season. I want to say that that won't be the case, but... Do you? <laughs> pro- I mean, I want to, but I can't because it probably people will. probably will. Yeah. But I don't know. I-, I think if you're reasonable, you look at next year and you say, yeah, you're... First year in the Big 12, I know we don't know the schedule yet, but it's going to be a tough schedule. It's nine Power 5 yep. games, obviously. UCF very clearly showed this year that they are not... Like, it's not like UCF... 2017-2018 UCF, if they would have gone into the... They would have gone Power 5 season, after that season or those seasons, you would have felt like, okay, like this seems ready to compete. Like, not necessarily win the conference, but, like, this is a, a really good, yep. like, high-powered offense... Whatever opportunistic defense. Those teams would have come in and been able to be like nine and three, ten and two teams right away. Because and then you're like, because at that time UCF was dominating group of five, the group of five level, and it was like, all right, they're ready for things. Right. UCF. They were dominating P five teams. Yeah, and UCF is not has not even come close to dominating the group of five level this last what three years now. No. And so you go into next season, you're like, they're just they're not ready. They're they're not ready yet. They're gonna get the recruits. They're gonna, and I think they're already doing well. That's the thing. That's that's what gives me hope right now is where. I have problems with Gus Malzahn's offense. There's just stuff that's happened on the field where I'm like, all right, but I'm willing to give them some grace because it's like they've brought in the best two recruiting classes in UCF history. They're only going to get better, I believe, because just no matter what happens on the field, it's just you start to attract interest from those right. kinds of players. Then that's going to help. So it's like I'm willing to take a step back and say, all right, I know next year is going to be year three for Gus Malzahn. Technically, yeah. If he goes six and six, that's a step back. But it's you got to take it in with the, the all the surrounding details, like the context. And it's first year in the Big Twelve. If they can get to a bowl, I'll feel happy. Yeah. What gets interesting to me, and I don't need I don't need to get into this now. I don't think, but it's like if they're like really bad next year, like I don't know if they're three and nine next year, four and eight. What is like? What is the outlook from there? Well, bad. it's not like yeah. It's not like it's not like he's Gus Malzahn's going to be on the hot seat, but it's like. The next season after that, it's like, all right, if they don't show improvement and get to a bowl that season, then I guess it's probably a problem. So, and you're looking at, like, all right, we've got to kind of change things up here. You look at next season, and like I said, it's so hard to do without a schedule, but we do have the non-conference slate, and it's Kent State at Boise State and Villanova. Boise State isn't what it used to be. Kent State and Villanova are give me's. If you go 3-0 and out of conference, you just need to go 3-6 and to get to a bowl game in the Big 12. So if... If UCF is at the point where with that non-conference slate, where this next year they're like what they go two and one on that. Let's say they lose to Boise State, then go like one and eight in the Big Twelve. Then yeah, I'm like you know yeah. what because they, they should not they should not come in and be the bottom feeders. Right. They, they should have the talent now. Where they can come in and be like a lower third, maybe middle class team in that conference. That's where they should be. If that doesn't register, then yeah, that's where you get freaked out. I think it's kind of about like you just said, Boise State's not what they used to be. But I still look at that game and I'm like. I'm not willing to give UCF the total edge. Oh, I'm not either. Which is bad. I mean, Boise State's kind of in shambles right now a little bit. Aren't yeah. they? they lost their quarterback, whatever. But no. I, I, but I'm still kind of just like, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Next year, like, and that this is the first time like right here live on this podcast that I kind of thought like, well, what if they don't make a ball next year? Because I'm kind of always like all, all along just been like, along it'll be six kind of just like okay, yeah, like six and six. That's like the baseline. Maybe five and seven. If they don't make a bowl, five and seven, I still feel like all right, you were probably a bounce here or there from being bowl eligible. Yeah. If they go worse than that, then you're like, all right, we got to evaluate things. It'll <laughs> depend on how it go- how it happens too. Because let's say they go five and seven, but like 
one of the five wins was like they beat whoever goes on to win the Big 12 championship yeah. or they beat Texas or something. Then people will be like, well, we're close, whatever. If they come out there and it's just like, it's just like nine straight Duke games, then yeah, <laughs> it, it's a problem. And, and, the, and the bright side for UCF is unlike programs don't, that don't have a lot of built-in advantages, and I've said this before, it's never over for UCF. Like no matter how bad it gets, you can always reset, find a different coach, find a different AD, whatever, and try again. So even if the nightmare scenario does come true and this AD and coach don't work, which again, I just don't think is going to happen, but if it did, you can still reset and try again. We saw that after 0-12. We saw it after 0-11 back in 2004. So that's the silver lining. It's not like a program like Boise State, you don't have those advantages. You fall off and it's you're done. And, yeah. But like I said, nothing that happened in this game today has changed my mind on what's going to happen next season. Like this game was basically just... Which I think is why we've spent 24 minutes and 14 seconds talking very little about this game, like yeah. the game itself. Because what's there to say? Like, 2022, UCF went out there and played worse than expected. Oh, yeah. Like, just like every other game on the 2022 schedule. Yeah. What I is there mean, to say? JRP played know. badly, the O-line had issues. I, it's, it's the same story over and over. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to look and see if there's any positives I can go I can with think there. of a positive. What's up? Um, Jakar Henderson had yeah. a couple really nice plays, and it was yeah. cool to see some of the young guys on the field. Uh, not so cool for the score, but I will say, all right, I'm immediately going from positive back to negative. Townsend <laughs> disappointed me a lot. And he's a true freshman, so I'm not putting stock in that. He disappointed you more than down. disappointed me. I don't. I don't put any. He screwed up basically every touch he got. I don't know. I mean, there I, were plays I didn't there see he him, couldn't make. I didn't see him. Yeah, but some of those plays that he didn't make, I have seen Ryan O'Keefe not make those plays this year too. That's true. So that's it's true. just like I, I, he didn't do anything like egregious to me where I'm like, oh, that's that's a. Worry, and like I said, I'm not out on Townsend yeah. by any means because that's how true freshmen go. I feel like some average fans don't realize that that is just that is the true freshman experience. Is sometimes they're great, sometimes they're awful. Two carries for nine yards and seven catches for 25 yards. Seven catches. I mean, a lot a lot of them were in those kind of Ryan O'Keefe like roles, screen passes, whatnot. That's that's where we're getting back to where I don't love the Gus Malzahn offense, where it's third and six and you're throwing a screen pass to true freshman Xavier Townsend. Literally behind the line of scrimmage, and he gets maybe a yard. Like I don't know stuff yeah. like that. The situational stuff really bothers me. But looking back at other things, like Kobe Perry was out there flying around trying to kill people. Like yeah. I mean, he, I'm he... gonna miss him. Bowser's <laughs> UCF. Bowser was like kind of like an underrated UCF legend a little bit. 16 rushing touchdowns on the season is nuts. How many have last year? Because I mean, he's up to probably he would he probably been around 10 to 12 last year. Probably. I, I can I'll probably, look, I can pull it up really quickly here. I'm actually here. Go for it now. Um... So he had 14 this year, which I believe... Or no, he had 16 this year after today. So that's that's the second most in a single season, I believe, right? In UCF yep. history. He had nine last year. So 16 plus nine is 25. Good math. Over two over two seasons, he had 25 rushing touchdowns. I mean, yeah. he... Yeah. And, and he it's was a never... Shame UCF was never able to do anything with that. Other than beat Florida, but... He was, he was never flashy, and that's just not the type of running back he is, but he did. I mean, he was a guy for two years, I think, that... Everybody will always look back on Isaiah Bowser and be like, oh, I mean, yeah, we he had a he had a fun fun career. Like it was just I, I don't know. I, I will always look back fondly. I think part of it is because of what we saw him do against Boise State in his debut, and then what we saw him do when he was healthy again against Florida. Um, but yeah, I mean, just he was he was a guy who can get you the yards yeah. whenever you needed them. Yeah, and that was so. And you know, he was a guy who could get you the yards whenever you needed them, which is why in a critical fourth and two today, UCF uh, threw the threw the ball. But um, one more, one more negative. Well, actually, there's probably more negatives. The longer we keep talking, we keep up, keep coming <laughs> up with them. Uh, are we worried at all about Javon Baker leaving? <laughs> he seemed very frustrated. Know. out He there. seemed very pissed off. He I don't think he'll leave. But I would hope not. I don't think so. He's been very active. 
throughout the last couple weeks. I joked you to know. you when we talked about the Washington game. I said if Gus gets up at a, on a press conference for spring ball and says, oh, JRP, that's our quarterback, then yeah, Javon might be out of here. But <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, honestly, the truth be told, in the portal era, you just never know who's going to leave and who's going to stay anymore. I, I Javon would have to earn a graduate degree to transfer without a one down yeah. out of year, but that's just not that hard to do at UCF. So It just seems to, like, I don't know. It will, it will be interesting because I think that kind of stuff happens in waves like the trends we obviously saw before the bowl. I'm kind of curious to see if there's going to be anything after the bowl, like who who will and won't transfer. Because like we mentioned, a lot of these guys stuck around for the bowl, played, and you know were all, all in, dedicated to, to this rest of the season. And then you look at like if, if they were to leave now. like And I'm just thinking of him as an example. Javon Baker was like on Twitter like, Trying to recruit guys to come play with them, like yet Christian right. Leary, another guy come from Alabama. Yeah, I don't think losing uh, to Duke yeah. is going to change that. Uh, yeah, that's true. I guess he just looked really frustrated, which I guess is well, I normal. Like really you're going to be out there and your quarterback can't get Listen, you the ball. When John Rice Plumlee is your quarterback, it is a frustrating job to be a receiver. It is. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many times we? And listen, it's not all. Kobe Hudson just drops the ball a lot, and it's been a thing at points where I'm like, maybe it's just I don't know. I don't even know what, but it's just clear. It's like, no, nah, he's just not like Kobe Hudson's just not that good. Unfortunately, five catches for 63 today. yards for him. I know he had one, at least one critical drop. Yeah. One really bad drop. Um, Javon Baker caught two passes for 49 yards. He had a big 37 yarder at one point, which that was when he got up and looked really frustrated. Cause I think if that would have been a better ball, it would have been a touchdown rather than yeah. him having to come back for the ball. Um, and hopefully the O line next year. I mean, you're bringing in Marcellus Marshall and Amari kite, who are two guys who kite was coveted by Bama. We haven't talked about Amari kite yet. Oh, we on the podcast? No. UCF Maybe. landed Amari Kite, uh, yeah. left tackle, I believe, transfer yeah. from Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. Um, big addition. Yeah. Alabama wanted him to stay, which that's always a good thing when you're getting guys that Alabama wants to keep at Alabama. So, <laughs> And Marcellus Marshall we talked about before. So the O-line should, and Lokai's coming back, and Lokai yeah. really hasn't been the problem. So Matt Lee has never, has never been the problem. Matt, the, well, not other than the O-line. very first game first, of his career, yeah. he's been fine. Yeah. So O-line, and again, you're going up against P5 teams, so it's going to be different, but... There's hope for next year. Like I said, it's I'm not sitting here. Nothing that happened today changed my expectations for next year. It's just more... It was really annoying to watch. It was really annoying to watch. And it's just... This whole season has just been... You change like three things. And UCF is in the Cotton Bowl and won the AAC, blah, blah, blah. But... Yeah. I mean, literally, even things today, if JRP just doesn't fumble that ball, UCF probably takes the lead on that drive. They were driving. Yeah. And, you know, then that flips the whole game, so... It is what it is. That's the whole point of football. It's a game of inches. It's just UCF was on the wrong side of that like all the time. So that's the funny thing is like when you look back at this game, just to wrap this up, like they lost thirty to thirteen. When you look at the box scores and everything, there's not that big of a difference. It's more that that fumble that turned into a touchdown drive for Duke the swung the game. Two. Yeah, the fourth and two. Little things here and there are what made it a seventeen point game. When you look at the stats, I mean. They're almost even in first downs. UCF was 5 of 14 on third down. Duke was 7 of 14. Then UCF was 2 of 4 on fourth down. Duke outgained them by 24 yards, which is marginal. The yards per pass, UCF was 5.7, as frustrating as that was, but Duke's was 6.0. Like, yeah. it was, they didn't really do anything flashy. They just controlled the ball better. And like I said, the defense did better mm. than I was anticipating. Yeah. I thought it was just going to be like Tulane where they got run all over, and they really weren't. There was that one just super frustrating methodical drive where Duke took like seven minutes off the clock. But other than that, the defense pretty much held up. Yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of problems with the defense. I'm, I'm really excited about Addison Williams, and I think, you know, they have obviously the guys on defense to really be good. And there were guys who played today who you'll see again next year, like Selescar, like Lee Hunter, or yeah. like the Henderson twins, like Nakai Martina. I, I, lots of guys who, Jason Johnson, maybe, I don't know. He kind of acted so. weird about it in his presser last week. But <laughs> so, you know, and... If Gus hires the right OC, the offense can get turned around too. I'm with you now. I'm just fully off the Gus calling plays boat because it's just 
it's gotten too weird, you know? It's just, it, it, and, and there have been a lot of situations this year where fans yell, oh, the play calling sucks, and you watch the game, and you're like, that's not what's going on here, you know? But this game was one of those games where there were just really weird decisions over and over. Yeah, and I do, I, I like the idea of, like, him being basically the program CEO. He's a great recruiter. He's a great guy to have, you know, be the face of the program. And then you've got a good young defensive coordinator, Addison Williams. You hire a young offensive coordinator, takes care of the offense, and you're, you're good. You're good to go. And you know, that's not a, like waving the white flag thing like it was a few years ago. That's kind of the way coaching is going. Sonny Dykes, who has TCU in the playoffs this year, he does not call the plays. He was the play caller at SMU. When he got to TCU, he decided to take on the CEO approach. He hired Garrett Riley, I think, who's yeah. Lincoln Riley's brother. And that's where, like that's just kind of the way coaching is going now in the NIL transfer portal recruiting era is it's easier for the coach, especially when you got a coach like Gus who's charismatic and players love and knows how to recruit. Have him be the front-facing guy and have – innovative younger coaches actually run the scheme run the offense call the plays you know it's it's not the perfect example because of the way things ended but they did win a national championship but that's what ed orgeron did at lsu yeah because he had dave aranda who's now the baylor head coach had his as his defensive coordinator and he had joe brady and you know as his offensive coordinator and, and pass game coordinator and he was basically a recruiting guy he was the ceo of the program and that's how it worked i mean I it mean, was just Luke Fickle just roams the Wisconsin sidelines last night while, <laughs> yeah. you know, someone else called the offensive plays the defensive plays, and he just got a win. His, his first win as head coach of Wisconsin. So that's the model we're moving towards, and it's fine for UCF to hop on board. My concern is what happens the first time Gus and the OC don't see eye to eye. Like if the OC, for example, says, hey, I think we should not start the wide receiver and quarterback next year. <laughs> if Gus will actually see that control or if he'll overrule and we'll end up with the same problems. But yeah, I don't we'll know. see. It's going to be we fun. We're terrifying. Months. We have eight months to figure that out now. Yeah, we do, man. We're uh, we're into the off season, officially. The, but hey, l- l- I can think of a positive note to end on. I really can. UCF just played its last ever game as a group of five team. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. They lost badly, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's what we'll that's what we'll hang our hats on to end this season. Wow, that's a bad thing to hang your hat on. I think. <laughs> um, Whatever. We're P five, huh? Yeah. But Christian and I are getting out of here. We're headed to hopefully not be disappointed by UCF men's basketball as they open conference play against Wichita State. Um, if you're listening to this after the game, like after the football game and before the basketball game ends, you won't know how it ends. But if you're listening to this in the days after and something happened, you might laugh at what I just said. We'll see. Hopefully it's a positive end to this day because if it's not, whew. Um, but we will get out of here now. We're going to thank you guys for listening. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. We'll be back next week with episode 120. But until then... Uh, Enjoy your new year, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.